which we have to pray and to seek your face. And Lord, we thank you today that you love us unconditionally. And Lord, your love was displayed on the cross of Calvary. Help us to be a people who demonstrate the love of God. And Lord, that we continue to demonstrate love even when we may be misunderstood, we may be uh, misrepresented, Lord. We may be uh, dealing with, there may be many in this room dealing with pain or dealing with frustration and dealing with worry. I pray that you would help them to find the love of God, which is greater than all of these things. And Lord, I thank you so much for your great example and your great gift to us. Help us to live in light of Calvary. And Lord, that we might have the love of Jesus flowing through our life, that others would see and look to Christ and be saved. And Lord, we ask that you would uh, minister to the hearts of everyone also watching by way of live stream. Encourage their hearts this morning. And uh, Lord, I pray that the internet would work perfectly. I pray that the uh, live stream would work well today. And Lord, that you would help us to be able to connect better uh, with those from afar. And I pray that you would help us to connect better with those even in our community, Lord. And I think of those who have been invited this week. And I pray that you would continue to touch their hearts and that they would come to hear your word in this place. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. A couple of announcements. Uh, by the way, dear, that's all the songs for today. And so uh, I like to switch things up, right? Variety is the spice of life. Last Sunday, we only had one song to start the service out. Now, we got this tract in the back, and this thing is just tremendous. It says, Surviving the Great Pandemic. Everybody thinks we're going through a pandemic right now. Uh, almost everybody. And so uh, it will relate directly to them because it meets them right where they're at. Afraid, uh, petrified, stuck in their home. I heard in California, uh, apparently, according to the California website about their new rules, you won't be able to spend the holidays with your family. How disgusting is that, right? You can't even pass the food around at the table with your family because you might contaminate your family. You've got to all wear a mask inside at the table while you're celebrating you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas because I'm sure the people in your home definitely... Uh, are going to make you all sick and die. And so that was just, I mean, can you imagine celebrating the holidays in your home? What a way to destroy uh, personal personhood. But uh, surviving the great pandemic, this tract meets people right where they're at. And it'll help. Uh, it'll, be, it'll be something all of your friends will take one if you give it to them. And uh, the bigger push here is really just to get the gospel to people. I love the points in this. The extent of the infection, the consequence of the infection, and the cure for the infection. This tract is written by a gentleman who has uh, dealt with cerebral palsy all of his life. And uh, God has used him in a great way. He's a pastor down in Connecticut. And so I think that'll be a help to you. You can grab those in the lobby. And uh, when, we, when we run out of those, we got a lot more. I got 300 of them. And I'm planning on going door to door with these ones. And uh, I'll probably have to take a face cloth with me. But I'm planning on going door to door and giving these things out. Because people, this is right where our culture is today. And they need help. And I believe the Lord has help and hope for all of us. This morning, if you grab your Bible with me and turn to Proverbs in chapter 12. Proverbs in chapter 12. Now, children, we have something very special for all of you today. And uh, Brother John, could you grab those for me? We have in the back some handouts for all of the children today. And uh, this will help all of them. You have a little picture right here. And uh, if you want one and you're, you don't consider yourself a little child, you can still have one, Brighton, okay, if you want one. And, uh, and we have, uh, it's kind of, you know, kid-friendly, but at the same time... Uh, some of us adults might need a little humor. Maybe if you're an adult and you like one too, you can have one to take your notes on. All right, just to humor you a little bit today. And uh, so there's a little picture and for all the children. And they also have crayons for them. And you're going to love this, this today in church, children. It's a great place to be in the house of God today. Let's go to Proverbs and chapter 10 in verse 12. Proverbs 10 in verse 12. When we look at our text, it relates directly to the songs we just sang a moment ago. Proverbs 10 and verse 12. The Bible says, Hatred stirreth up strifes, but love covereth all sins. Would you read that last phrase together with me? Ready, begin. But love covereth all sins. 
I love that truth from God's word. Love covers all sins. Look in Proverbs 17, verse 9. Proverbs 17 and verse 9. Just a few chapters over. Solomon, the wisest man, says this. He that covereth a transgression seeketh what? But he that repeateth a matter separateth very friends. Solomon says that if we love, we will cover the transgressions of another. Now, this is something that relates to us directly on a personal level. We can, we can get distracted by things going on on a national level. I want to take this to a personal level today, okay? There's a lot of attempts to cover things up on national levels. We're not getting into that today, okay? But on a personal level, the way God wants us to relate to one another is he that covereth a transgression seeketh love. But he that repeateth a matter separateth very friends. Do any of you have friends? You got a friend. Would you raise your hand? I thank God for friends, okay? Friends are great. If you've ever had to forgive your friend, would you raise your hand? I have too, okay? I've forgiven my friend many times. And uh, by the way, you don't raise your hand for this one, but your, your spouse ought to be your best friend. If you had to forgive your, your spouse a little bit, right? Come on, let's be honest. If you haven't had to forgive your spouse every once in a while, you're not human. And I, my wife has had to forgive me too, okay? Uh, you have to practice forgiveness if you're going to have a good relationship in life. Any good relationship, somebody you love, somebody you care about, you exercise forgiveness towards them. Proverbs tells us, he that covereth a transgression seeketh love. Now, think about somebody who maybe used to be your friend. Think about him for just a second. It might still be a little sore spot right there. Why are they not your friend anymore? What happened? They made a transgression, right? And that transgression broke the relationship. All right? Relationships fall apart based upon this truth, or stay together based upon this truth. It's a simple truth. And the truth is displayed in Calvary. I thank God for His love to us. Love is a word that's often used in our vocabulary. We talk about it. And uh, if you've studied the Bible words for love, you understand there are different types of love. And this morning, we're not going to get into all of that, because I think knowledge, I believe we understand Corinthians well. Knowledge puffeth up charity, love, Edifieth, and it's speaking about God's love. So I think we're, we're sometimes we're so knowledgeable, but when it comes to a practical level, we struggle, if we'll be honest. Understanding the meanings of words help, but it doesn't change the way we live. Look, all because we understand there's four basic types of love, isn't going to fix our problems. All because we understand that God wants us to have agape love. I'm supposed to have agape love, which is unconditional, okay? And so, no, I'll just keep giving love no matter if it hurts. All because we understand that doesn't change the way we live if we don't apply it. So, this truth is applied in this verse through, he says, He that covereth a transgression seeketh love. When you cover a transgression, you are choosing to not remember it. Doesn't mean it stopped to exist, right? The transgression still happened. And this week, I received a wonderful uh, message from a relative of mine and who has just experienced great, great liberation in their life, great freedom. You say, what happened? They must have gone and dyed their hair blue or pink. They got liberated. No, okay. In their life, they began to understand a simple truth, and Bruce Wilkerson has a wonderful series entitled 70 Times 7. It's about forgiveness. And uh, they, they went through that, and they sent me a message, and they said, I've just begun to understand forgiveness in a whole new light, and it's begun to change my life. You know, it's all, it's all connected. Forgiveness and love go right together. And biblical love this morning, we're going to look at the topic and the subject of biblical love. It's the title of the message. Um, it is a fulfillment of the law. Love is a great gift. Is it not the greatest command? Remember when Jesus was asked, hey, what's the greatest command? What did he say? Love one another is the second. What's the first one, brother? Yes. 
And by the way, the first few of the Ten Commandments deal directly with our love for God. So our love for God is demonstrated by the fact that we worship Him and we honor His day. And uh, thank you for being here in the Lord's house today. I tell you, um, if it was not for a matter of conviction, I would have been in the woods this morning. It was a perfect day. <laughs> Yesterday was a lousy day to go hunting. Okay, opening day, 59 degrees when I woke up. I'm like, you kidding me? It's 5.30 in the morning. 59 degrees, ain't nothing going to be moving, and no, it wasn't. But today, 37 degrees, I was like, thank you, Lord, for calling me to be a pastor. I'm loving today a lot. And uh, I tell you, when you love the Lord, it's hard to sometimes put things, things of God first. But I tell you, there's great value in doing that and putting God first in our life. And uh, it's fulfillment of the law. Love casts out fear. When we're filled with God's love, there's no more room left for self or for pride. So let me ask you a question this morning. If you have perfect love, and if you forgive everybody, let's say we just, we have perfect love, okay? Because that's, our culture's crying for love, right? You say you have perfect love, each one of us. And let's say we forgive everybody in our life. Will you still, uh, will people stop speaking evil of you? If you have perfect love, you're the most loving person at school, at work. You're just the best friend. You're the best family member. You're just the perfect example of love. Will people stop accusing you falsely? No. We do have that in our mind, though, that we don't deserve to be treated in certain ways, right? But when you think of Jesus, I mean... He gives his life, he heals all these people, he raises the dead, and he dies on the cross for our sins, and yet he's still mocked and belittled to this day for what he did. Perfect example of love in Christ, and yet he is still rejected to this day. No, they still speak evil of him, yet he was the perfect example. Love is not about feeling like everyone is treating us well. Love is letting go. It's one of the hardest things to do, and it brings freedom. Uh, I believe one of the greatest messages and the greatest sermon you can preach is something that God speaks to you about. This is something God's been speaking to me about a lot. And uh, when, you, when you display the love of Christ, it gives you freedom in your life. It gives you freedom in all areas of your life. Love letting go of past offenses. Love has, a love that has not been tested cannot be trusted. We say that about faith, but it's true about love as well. A love that has not been tested, you can't trust it. You say, well, right, a couple falls in love. How do you know she loves you? Well, they get me things. They do stuff. Okay, now, then what happens if they, when they stop doing those things, right? Do we say they don't love us anymore? See, we, we sometimes base love upon actions, and it should be actions, but we often base love, if we be honest, upon feelings, the way we feel in a relationship. And when that feeling changes, our love tank gets empty and drains right out. Now, there's great truths, and we're reading through right now, my wife and I, a wonderful book by Gary Chapman on the love languages. It's a book every one of you should read. And uh, the book on the five love languages, it's tremendous. And uh, we have, I'll get to this at the very end today, we have somebody who's been helping us with that book and uh, with several truths. And I'll tell you, if you take a book and you meditate on a chapter, and some of those chapters you read them three or four times each, and you start to internalize and you have a whole week to read one chapter and just think about it. It'll make you think a lot about your relationship, if you're honest, and evaluate where you're at. Because um, there's different levels of your relationship, and the deeper you get, the deeper you get in love. As you let that love be tested, and then you let God's love flow through you to your spouse. It is a powerful thing. And when you let God's love flow you, through you to other people, it's a powerful thing. Brother John had a birthday yesterday, most of you know. And, uh, you know, Brother John is a constant source of encouragement to me. Um, it's been a couple of years now since he got saved. and Every week, you know what Brother John does? He picked up something Brother Orville did. Every week he says something positive and nice. Every single week. Uh, without fail, Brother John says something positive, encouraging in relation to the word of God that was preached. He says something kind and nice, something uplifting. And um, something, you know, even if it's just 
thank you for being here. You know, thank you for being faithful. It's usually something more in-depth than that. Uh, about the message. I remember even when you first trusted the Lord, he would come back every time after the message. That really hit home with me. And the messages were just sinking. You know what? Constant source of encouragement. Trying to be and demonstrate love. Uh, every week for almost two years now, he says a word of encouragement. And if he can't make it to a message, he listens online and then he comments with a word of encouragement. And it's something that, you know what, it just brings life into the relationship. And uh, yesterday, it was, it was just a joy. You know, Brother John, he's, he's turning to wonderful age and we won't announce that. But it was just, you know, it's a great new year for him. And God's given him a new year. But you know what, he's lost a lot of friends. And I realized, you know, I started thinking about it. You know what? A lot of us in the room, to be honest, we haven't really given up our friends yet, okay? He's given up almost all his friends to follow Christ. And so now, now we are his friends. And uh, so we got to spend a little time on Friday, and uh, it was great. He came over to pray with me and didn't know what was going to happen. And uh, I said, Brother John, you want to pray? He said, Friday. Okay, that's great. And so he came Friday, and, and we got to spend a little time together. And I thank God for him giving up his friends to follow Christ. And it's, it's really... Uh, a demonstration of love when you continue to give even when maybe you don't um, feel loved in return. A friend always looks for ways to compliment. You think, of your, you think of your best friend. What do they always say to you? You look nice, right? They always say something nice to you, right, if they're your good friend. And if you don't have a friend like that, may God help you to find one. Uh, when I think of the biblical command to love, I know I fall short. I fall short. And it's something I... Uh, I want to give you something today because I realize I need to grow in my love to everybody, okay? So I'm going to give you something today that will be a blessing to you, all right? Right here, everybody has to take one, okay? I'm going to give you, and I'm going to show you the live stream camera right here. Everybody gets candy, okay? And so, Brother John, can you pass this out to everybody? Everybody's got to get some of this. Um, Now, you can't open it yet, all right? That's the rule. You can't open it yet. Um... Everybody gets, I got to give everybody something. So everybody gets some candy today. All right? I want you to know you got something. But you can't open it. Don't open it. It's the rule. Those of you on live stream, I'm sorry. You'll just have to get candy from somewhere else. I guess maybe this Friday to give it out if your city's not on lockdown. And uh, so you get a little bit of candy. See? I want to sweeten you up today. Um, Biblical love you taking notes this morning, must be deeper than our emotions. I'd like us to go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It's a passage my wife and I have been meditating on a lot. 1 Corinthians in chapter 13. And I want us to look at this text. Now you all can't think about anything except that candy. Yes, the candy. Yes. Some of you said, no, I didn't want candy. Everybody has to take one. And uh, you don't have to, you're not going to eat it right now. You're just going to take one. All right? So... 1 Corinthians chapter 13, I'd like you to notice what the Bible says. We know the passage well. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, and have not charity, I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could move, remove mountains... And have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. I wanted to give you something to crinkle in your hands. Isn't that great? Now, this thing right here, okay, is just a little pack of Skittles, right? The Bible says, though, right here in our text, though I give, get to where I'm at, verse 3, And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, so I felt you were poor this morning. I wanted to give you a little something, okay? Though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, he says, and though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. So look, me simply giving you a little pack of candy does not mean I displayed love. Often we give a little something to somebody, we give them a smile, we give them a little something. And we say, I displayed love. And that's all we do. Okay? He says you can give it all away. I could spend every penny I have on candy and give it all away to you. I could spend every penny on food and give it to every person that's poor in this community. Yet he says, if you give it all away and still don't have love in your heart, it profits me nothing. So all because I gave you some candy today... 
All right? And now you have it. You say, it's wonderful. I have it. It's sweet. I can maybe eat it. Oh, maybe my doctor said I'm not supposed to eat this kind. Um, and you're thinking about all that right now. If you have been given something, he says, even by the act of giving, still, that doesn't mean that we love. Often we evaluate our love based upon things that we do and how we feel. Biblical love must be deeper than emotions. Charity is speaking of this agape, Christ-centered, Christ-focused, continual, uh, unconditional love. The love the Father gave through the Son when He gave His Son to us. Affection, friendship, and romantic love are each the training ground for charity to grow in. It's also a rival to the three. C.S. Lewis mentions St. Augustine's deep loss of a friend, who says that such desolation is what occurs when we give our heart to anything but God. He said, all humans, human, human beings pass away. Don't put your goods in a leaky vessel. Don't spend too much on a house that you may be turned out of. Yet we are made to love and we want it. We play it safe. We are not living out the gospel, but burying the coin in a safe ground, as the parable says. And Lewis reminds us that we bury our coin in safe ground. We say, well, I'm going to put my love somewhere where I know it won't get hurt. And don't we try to do that? If we'll be honest... We only love to the extent that we'll get, so we won't get hurt. We're too afraid that, you know what, if, we, if, I just, if I just hand somebody a tract, they might actually reject it. I had to test the waters a lot of times before I got a few visitors to come to church here. But you know what? Sometimes people get a tract and they'll come. But if you don't test the waters, and you don't step out of your comfort zone and say, you know what, I'm going to give it to them even though... They might say, I don't want that. If you're not willing to be rejected, then, then your love is not very deep. Your love is not very deep. You're just burying your coin in safe ground instead of putting it somewhere where it can multiply. There is no safe investment, he goes on to say. To love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly broken. If you want to be sure... Of the keeping of your heart intact, you must give your heart to no one. Not even to an animal. Wrap it up carefully with hobbies, little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in a casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, he says, safe and dark and motionless and airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, unimpenetrable, unimpenetrable, irredeemable, and the alternative to tragedy, or at least to the risk of tragedy, is damnation. The only place outside of heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers and perturbations of love is hell. And today, we're sometimes too afraid to love, and so we wind up locking up our emotions and we say, I'm just not going to love again. Somebody hurt me in the past, I'm not going to love again. I'm not going to try again. Somebody else, they rejected me. I gave them love. I gave them love. And they rejected me, so I'm never doing it again. Is that Christ-like? But yet, if we'll be honest as Christians, we get there. We park there. And we stagnate there. And as a result, as we are parked there, we're unwilling to move forward. And may God help us with this area. Biblical love must be deeper than our emotions. He says, though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. You say, that would be a glorious emotional thing. I can speak in multiple languages, by the way. He's not speaking about these ecclesiastical experiences people have where they roll on the ground. You never read of that in the Bible. Okay? They just, they fall. You read of demon-possessed children rolling on the ground with foam coming out of their mouths. But you do not read in the Bible of people speaking in tongues that could not be understood. Well, you do read of it happening, and they were rebuked for it. That's what you read of happening. Okay? So, tongues are a language that you can hear Language that can be spoken, like when Daniel Bill was here with his wife, and they're on their way to Honduras, and they were sharing their ministry. He speaks Spanish, and I speak Spanish too, and, and uh, you know, we can speak in another language, and most of you wouldn't recognize what we were saying. And some of you speak other languages, I think German, right? And you speak German back there, and uh, see different languages that we speak in the room. Maybe some of you speak a few words of French, okay? Real French. And uh, there's different languages, being up here in the north, there's different languages that we may speak. You may have learned a little bit in school. 
He's speaking of, if you can, you can speak in these languages, the tongues, he says, of angels, and have not charity, I am become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. I think often, uh, if, we, if we think that perhaps love is not worth the sorrow and pain, they, then we are more pagan than Christian. Although the fall has invited this selfishness to linger in our culture, ours is the gospel charge. And we are to go and to love those who are broken. Not for some vague humanitarian effort, but to make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. We need to let God awaken our hearts to such an abandoned and reckless love to come alive in us where we say, you know what, I'm going to love the people that don't love me back in return. Thank God for these missionaries being willing to surrender their lives to go to a foreign field, to love people they've never met, to live far away from their families, and in some cases now to be locked in a country where they can't return for any reason, even if their loved ones are passing, they can't come back because of various travel restrictions. Look, as the situations of this year maybe have gotten into us, us into this survival mode, survival mode, selfishness is at the root of it. Selfishness is at the root of it, right? It all started with a paper, paper hoarding, right? I'm going to get the toilet paper, and now it's, I'm going to get extra. I'm going to get extra, right? Now, look, my wife and I were already buying extra before extra was an issue, okay? We, we just did. That's the way we do it. We don't have just one extra toilet paper roll in the house and go buy toilet paper and milk every time the power goes out, okay? Um, we plan ahead a little bit more than that. And so usually she'll buy ahead maybe a month or something. And so we were already ahead before this thing happened, so it wasn't an issue. Um, by the time the shelves restocked, we were able to get some. And uh, what has is, what is this brought us into? Survival mode, right? Uh, when we see, go to the store and you can't buy yeast, okay? Some of you don't bake, but some of you do. And when you go to the store and you can't buy yeast, you go, oh, no. When you go to the store and the only marshmallows you can buy are organic ones. I dare you to try roasting organic marshmallows. They're garbage, okay? <laughs> Whoever invented organic marshmallows need to have their head examined. Those things don't roast. They're like eating rubber. We were having some friends over, and um, we were like, you know what? Let's, let's, let's invite these people over. Folks are visiting the church. We're going to invite them over to our house. We did that back a few months ago, back in... Uh, well, one of those months, I won't say which one, but one of those months, you know, and, uh, and we, we invited people over, and uh, by the way, my neighbors called me afterwards, what were you doing, what were you doing? Hanging out with my friends, okay, um, but anyways, we invited them over, and we got these marshmallows, and that's how we found out. They were the only ones for sale at Price Chopper, okay, and uh, we were so glad when those pieces of garbage were gone from our lives. Um, <laughs> go get the real ones, the real marshmallows, and... Uh, Sometimes we can be so afraid of what might happen, fearing the unknown, that we can't display love right now. For example, many people today are still petrified, and God bless them, but they're still petrified. Let me give you a little statistic. You know in 2017, you know how many people died from cardiovascular disease? Take a random guess in the millions. How many million people died from heart conditions in 2017? Take a guess. Anybody want to guess? In the millions. How many? Go higher. Get, start multiplying. Okay. Yes, ma'am. Go higher. In 2017. 17.9 million people died of a heart-related condition. Now get your... Master, get ready for this. What's the biggest thing that we've been hearing about before the pandemic? Okay? What was the biggest thing? Right? One of the biggest things was terrorism. You know how many people died in 2007, uh, 2017 from terrorism? Like less than 30,000 people. Less than 30,000 people worldwide in 2017 from terrorism. Yet 17.9 million, 18 million people die because they have a heart condition, they have a heart attack, they have something related to their heart. And yet, what are we told? What's the big story? Be afraid of the terrorism. Oh, it's going to kill everybody. Get it in perspective. Okay, let's bring this thing into perspective. You know how many people have died worldwide? One million. One million. That's a lot of people. But still more people are going to die and have died from heart-related conditions than that. 
And yet we're told to be petrified. We're told to be afraid. We're told to be scared to death. But there's more of a chance of dying, a child dying from a car accident in some cases, than a teenager dying from a car accident, than from somebody dying from that uh, disease. We live in a fear-driven culture into survival mode. I just got to protect my own. I just got to do what's right for me. And it's all about me, 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 and me and my things. And as we mentioned a moment ago, we put our affection into things. And then what happens? I, I had a neighbor and I remember how, how, how completely devastated my neighbor was when their horse passed. These things are temporary. These things are temporal. Uh, these animals will not live forever. And uh, we should definitely love and care for those things that we are responsible to care for. A righteous man regardeth the life of his beast. But we live in a, na- in a nation that is filled with uh, love for uh, things and stuff instead of God. And if we'll be honest, selfishly, um, uh, some, sometimes we're so afraid of what might happen to our church that we can't display love right now. Uh, because selfishly we're only thinking of self-preservation while we cling on to our fo- few old friends and, and we give up on the inside. We say, I just, I, just, I just can't love anybody again. And we're afraid. And we're afraid. And instead of opening our heart and letting the love of God flow through us, we're like a broken vessel and we're tied up like a little knot. Love covereth a multitude of sins. And instead of loving, instead of bringing energy and life, What do we do? We suck the life out of those that God puts in our life. We pull the life out of because we we want to be loved and we're not feeling loved and so we pull the love out of people. You know, there's a a thing that happens and and you notice it happens. You you see see, uh, what happens around in communities. But when, uh, when a new pastor comes, everybody gets excited because they expect a new pastor to fix all the problems that have ever existed in the last 30 years, okay? All of us, or an evangelist. An evangelist comes in for a revival meeting. All the problems are going to fade away. See, sometimes we expect a human being to fix the problems. Maybe you expect your doctor to fix all of your health problems. Maybe whatever it is. And at the end of the day, we can expect some new individual in our life to solve problems that possibly we created or that were created uh, by situations that we allowed to exist in our life. And so sometimes we, we, we come in with this expectation into a relationship, whatever that relationship is, marriage, uh, in your family, maybe you have, have, maybe you have the blessing of God gives you a, a child. And most of us in this room have had the opportunity to raise and begin to raise children. And sometimes you can have a child and you can think, you know what? Oh, this child is going to solve my problems. And then you realize, you know what? This child is going to teach me how to be unselfish. This child is going to teach me, teach me how to be loving. This child is going to be God's gift to help me to grow. And yes, uh, children bring energy and life, but they also require responsibility and a lot of energy from their parents. So love must go deeper than our emotions. It's more than just being present. It's giving energy to others. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something because I want you to remember it as an illustration, okay? See right here we have some candy in this bowl, right? Let's imagine this is the energy, this is the energy that God allows to be in this room every week. Okay, it's before you walk in the room. There are others who have prayed for you and there's energy in the room. All right? Question is, are we going to pull more energy out? Or are we going to put it back in? We each contribute energy to the room. We each bring energy and life to the room. Or we pull it out. Now, I gave you the candy, but I'm going to ask you to do something with it now. I'm going to ask you to put it back in. Now, children, you can keep yours, okay? Children can keep theirs. But, and that's young people, you can keep yours too. But adults, now you, you can, if you really want, you can hold on to it. I think everybody will put theirs back in as adults. 
But I'm going to ask you to put your candy back in. Brother John's going to stand right up here. And he, you, can, you can come put your candy in. You can, actually, you can walk a little bit. You can stay right there, brother. And you guys can even walk to him and bring him your candies. And you say, i got to give it back. i got to give it back. I knew that wasn't free. I knew that candy wasn't free. No, it wasn't. There was a price. There was a price. There was a price. And see, look. You say, well, Pastor, that's a, that's a horrible thing. You gave us candy and you didn't even let us enjoy it. What a bummer, all right? Now, you take this, this candy and you had to give it all back. You say, what a horrible thing. Every week, if we look at our life in our, as a clear bowl, every relationship, we're either putting love into it or we're pulling love out. Would you ask yourself an honest question? Am I putting in or pulling out? It will determine your relationship, the level of commitment in your relationship. Now, I, I kept mine. I'm putting mine back in, okay? Um, I got to put it back in, too. See, every one of us determines whether or not we're going to open our heart up and say, I'm going to love again. I'm going to care about other people again. I'm going to ask others how, I'm going to care more about others than myself. And I'm going to come into this relationship with the goal of giving instead of taking. Giving instead of taking. And that brings us to our final thought this morning. Biblical love is rooted in forgiveness. Biblical love is rooted in forgiveness. John 3.16 is a powerful truth. Knowing and believing that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son for me is such a liberating thought. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Now, whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. When we read the following verses, we realize that His love, His love uh, encourages us and compels us to walk in the light. When we love Him, we walk in the light as He is in the light, First John, I mean, John tells us. And when we have experienced the love, we're going to run back to our Father's arms. I don't need some substance to make me feel loved. I hope you don't. I don't need to fill my house, and today this is a big thing in our culture, all right? Uh, fill our house with some sort of a special odor to bring peace into our home, all right? Now look, you might, a little, you might need a little peppermint oil. Uh, you might need a little something, okay, whatever. Lavender, all these things. You might like to have something that smells good in your home. But if you need some smell, some substance, some coffee, uh, to, bring, to bring energy and life to your light. And if you don't have that, you're going to just be a grouchy person. May God help us. May God help us. Biblical love is deeper than that. It's rooted in forgiveness. I don't believe Jesus on the cross got to ask for his favorite latte. He didn't get to on the cross ask for his favorite steak. On the cross, he forgave. He forgave. When we, see, when we see love in the way in which Christ has displayed it to us, biblical love is more than just emotions and it's rooted in forgiveness. We're looking at the subject of biblical love this morning. Uh, the love of God gives inner peace. It's one of the first fruits of the Spirit. His love was displayed by this forgiveness. Our love is displayed by forgiveness. Proverbs 17, 9, we read it a moment ago. He that covereth transgression seeketh love. Why do you forgive your friend? Because you're hoping that they'll still continue to be your friend. And so you're going to let it go. And you're going to give them love. And you're going to give them acceptance once again. You're going to let them back in. Instead of putting up a, a little uh, wall around yourself and saying, I'm never... You know what? There was... 25 years ago I had a boss and he just, he just mistreated me. So I'm never ever going to be nice to a boss again. Sometimes we have this attitude and we will not love again... And so really we're in survival mode and we live, if we'll be honest, years in survival mode. We live decades in survival mode. Instead of bringing life to the rooms in which we go into, we pull life out. We come in and we say, what's in it for me? Oh, it's a Snickers. I'm going to take this. What do you have? Okay, what's, what's in here for me today? Ooh, it's a peanut butter Snickers. Oh, I'm going to take that. We come in looking for, and we, and we actually come in and we're looking for, in a relationship, we're looking for something. Oh, these are the original Skittles. They're better. And uh, we're M&M's. 
We're looking for more and more energy. And if we'll be honest, sometimes we just want it all. We even take out the Tootsie Rolls. Those are good. Um, we even take out the peanut butter crackers. Those are good. And you know what? Sometimes our relationships in life look like this. Because we have pulled all the love that was given to us by God out of those relationships. And all we leave is an empty vessel. And we wonder why it's so hard to feel loved. Because you know what? We're going into the relationship looking for love. Did God come looking for love? He came giving love. If you want to find love, you give it out. If you want to find forgiveness, you give it out. And today, I believe, if we be honest, we all could grow in this area. And I'd like us to look at a biblical example of love. And the children have the picture of this. Luke in chapter 10. Luke in chapter 10. You children have listened so well. I have something special for the children today. Something more special, okay? Now, oh, look right here, children. Now, I'm watching who listens in the last little bit of the message. And I have this doggy right here. And I... Maybe I have something else back here, too. I have a sword right here. And, and I have these things for those children that are listening well to the end today. I wanted to bring something special for you. Because you know what, children? We are not doing a kids' class right now. And by the way, I've had people come in and they told me, this is back a, few, a little while ago, I had somebody visit during this time and they said, you know what, uh, if you don't have kids' classes, I'm not going to come back. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but we're not going to be able to do that right now. And so you children are doing excellent in church and uh, listening so well. And thank you, parents, for watching over your children. And that is a blessing to have children in the house of God. The Bible tells us, Luke 10, verse 30, Jesus answering said, A certain man went down from Jericho, uh, Jerusalem to Jericho and fell among thieves which stripped him of his raiment and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, he journeyed, and where he came where he was, he saw him and he had compassion on him, and he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring oil and wine and set him on his own beast and brought him to an inn, And took care of him. And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence and gave it to them, to the host, and said to him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come, I will repay thee. With which of these, with now which which of these, uh, thinkest thou was neighbor to him that fell among the thieves? Jesus says, Hey, who's the neighbor? Who's the one that displayed love? And we know the story the Good Samaritan displayed love. He displayed love. And sometimes I think, if we'll be honest in our lives, we have had times where we were the Good Samaritan, but sometimes we stop being a Good Samaritan. We get to a point where we say, I'm just not going to give it. You know what? I gave and people hurt me before, and so I'm not going to do it again. I ask you this morning, because biblical love is the key to our relationship with God and with our church family. Biblical love is the foundation of our faith. Have you ever trusted in His love? Have you ever put your reliance upon the fact that Jesus Christ died for your sins? See, Jesus is the good shepherd. He came and found us. He's the good Samaritan. He came and found us when we were all broken, when we were all bound up, when we had, when we had great needs, and he came and took care of us and ministered to us, and he took care of all the expenses paid. And I thank God he died on the cross for our sins, not just to give us a better life, my friend, but to be with us through this life. And to be our Savior, our Redeemer, and our friend. And today, if you don't know Jesus as your friend, you need to put your trust in Him. But if you do know Him as your friend, I want to share with you this quote from Evangelist Don Curran. He's a friend of mine, and he was an evangelist at a church I attended for many years. He said the following, It is a fatal notion of a self-deceived mind to presume that heaven is our home if we merely pray to prayer but did not pursue Jesus Christ. How many professors in Christ today assume that God will receive them into heaven who have invited Christ into their heart, but have not invited Him into their daily lifestyle? Often we say, I prayed a prayer. I am so glad I know I'm going to heaven. But you know what? It's selfish time, and so I'm just going to self-preserve I'm going to go to heaven. I'll be okay. Everything will be fine. 
Do you have the same love for Jesus that you have for your loved ones? We call them loved ones for a reason, right? When they need us, we could have a headache, we could have a sore toe, we could, I mean, we could have a billion things going on, but when our loved one needs us, what do we do? If they're our loved one, if they're our friend, we go straight to their house. We go straight to their house, no matter what hour of day or night. Why? Because they're our friend, because they're our loved one. And Jesus is asking, have you been pursuing me? Have you invited me into your everyday life? Have you invited me into your worship? Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 1, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which ye also have received, and wherein ye stand, by the which also ye are saved. And he says the following phrase. I want you to think about this phrase. Because the Bible says you should examine ourselves. If ye keep in memory what I have preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. See, Pastor, do you believe you can lose your salvation? I don't believe you can lose it. But my friend, I do believe some have it. Uh, have a profession, but no possession. They have professed faith, but there is no genuine dependence upon the Father, and so it's been mere words. To be honest, a lot of wedding vows today are mere words, right? Just, I love you, I'll be with you till what? Death do us part? I mean, until your mother gets in my way. Um, Until I have to move or do something, for you, until I have to give, until I, until whatever. We have an attitude in our love sometimes where we stop giving love. And Jesus keeps giving love. I thank God for his love to us. And I, would you ask the Lord to examine you today? 1 John 4, 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We have a lot of dear folks in this world today, and they're in fear of a great pandemic, where the greatest pandemic, as this tract explained, explains, is the curse of sin. And if we do not trust in Christ, the greatest pandemic is to go into eternity without Jesus Christ. It's the sin. That's what separates us from God. That's the greatest need in our nation today. I believe if every Christian would grasp a hold of this, it would change the way in which we live. My wife and I are reading a book about how Nazi Germany fell. How Germany fell. How Germany was overtaken by Hitler. How pastors, thousands of them, went to go meet with Hitler. One stood up and said to Hitler that he was going to continue to preach and teach the people what the Bible said in regards to their government, because Hitler was saying you couldn't. That pastor that night, his house was ransacked. His church was, a bomb was set off in his church. The building was destroyed. And the other 2,000 pastors who were going to take a stand did not. And they fell, and they became part of Hitler's group. You look at history, my friend, We need to not be deceived if right now, before the persecution is even here, we are feeble in our faith. May God help us because we'll be the first to fall off. I encourage you, get your faith settled, get grounded, and make Jesus number one Lord of your life. Remember what Jesus said? He that doesn't leave his father and mother and follow me, he's not worthy of me. And too often our father and mother have taken priority in our life and Jesus is like, well, if I feel like it. And Jesus is asking, would you let me be the Lord of your life? Would you let my love flow through you? And would you be a channel of my love to other people? Would you stop being selfish? And would you start being Christ-like? Would you say, you know what? Lord, I'm going to take what you have given me, because you've given me a lot, and I'm going to be somebody who gives it out to somebody else. I'm going to be a vessel filled with candy, the the love of God, and I'm going to be somebody who spreads that everywhere I go. I'm going to bring energy to every room I walk into. If it's just me and one other person, I'm going to walk into that room and they're going to notice there's a difference because there's a Jesus that's in me. They're going to feel an energy within me because Jesus is in me. I'm not going to drain life out of the rooms anymore. I'm going to bring life in. I'm going to bring energy into this relationship. And you'll notice in your home, things will change. You'll notice in your community, things will change. When you walk into a store, things will change. You ever walk into a store nowadays? Everybody everybody shows selfish and self-centered man sometimes. May God help us. Get out of our comfort zone and display the love of Christ. The world needs it. I believe, if we'll be honest, we need it too. 
We need to demonstrate love. There is no fear in love. Perfect love casteth out fear. Let's bow for prayer and ask the Lord to help us with this truth. And if you're watching by way of live stream and the internet worked well for you, would you please leave a comment and let us know to that tune um, that it did work well for you today and uh, if you were able to hear clearly and everything. We're going to close out the live stream in just a moment. Father, I ask that you would help us to walk with you today, to live a life filled with the love of God, and that we would have biblical love flowing through our heart. Lord, our church needs it, our community needs it, our families need it, our relationships need it. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to grasp one of these truths this morning and internalize it. And that Lord, in some small way, we would begin to show love in a greater way than we have in years gone by. And Lord, that we would grow and that you would be able to look upon us and you would be able to see an increase in our life because we have surrendered to you. We ask you to help us with that. In Christ's name we do pray. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, we're going to close out the live stream. Thank you for watching, by the way, all of you on live stream. And look forward to connecting with you on Wednesday as well. Would you stand together with me here in the room? And would you ask the Lord to minister to your heart? And maybe you're just here and you just say, you know what, Pastor? I would agree with you. I'm struggling with it. We're all struggling with it. Let's be honest. And maybe you just find a place and you'd come down to an old-fashioned altar and you'd say, you know what, Lord, would you help me to love like you love? You'd be honest and you'd just say, you know what, I'm not the only one struggling with this, Pastor. I know you're struggling with it. I'm struggling with it too. I'm just going to be honest with God. I'm going to be honest with God. I'm struggling with it. Not raising our hands, just you're welcome to respond by coming forward if there's room. Right down here, you can sit, kneel at the front pew or you can uh, kneel right here at the front. And you maybe want to just take a moment and you want to meet with the Lord. As the piano begins to play and our heads are bowed, I invite you to respond to the Lord. Ask the Lord to help you to display the love of Christ to somebody else today.